When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bald Move Pulp Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Loki. I'm Jim. I think, I'm Aaron. I think I'm Jim. I don't I'm an know. Aaron variant. Yeah, I met a lot of Jims lately. I think I'm Jim Prime, <laughs> but I'm not sure. I don't even know what that means anymore. Uh, yeah. We just got done watching Loki season one, episode six, titled For All Time Always. Uh, Aaron, what'd you think of it? I really like this episode, this episode, and I guess the series as a whole felt important in a way that the other MCU series have not. Um, it's the first MCU finale that didn't devolve into like a 20 minute punching session and, or floating in airs and throwing thunderbolts at each other. It threatened to um, for a second. It threatened yeah, to. Yeah, they didn't There was that. a couple times where they had the, it's a comic book. Someone's <laughs> right. got to get punched. Someone's got to get stabbed. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. And I thought they were really clever about how they were able to have, because I've been saying there's no way they're going to introduce someone like Kang or they're going to kick off the next villain for the major, the the Marvel cinematic universe. But I actually thought they, this was a very clever way for them to have their cake and eat it too, because they, they do show the threat. They do preview. They show you why this is a problem, but they also inject just a ton of like fear and certainty and doubt about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And also bottom line is like, okay, we met this Kang, if you want to call him that. I'm not even sure if that's correct. I, I, I think a version of him will become Kang. Yeah. But he's dead now. Mm. And we know worse are coming and we know probably better are coming. So, like, there's all kinds of ways that they can kind of have this more amorphously kind of bump up against the different power levels and importance levels of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this whole phase and yet still have a guy who's probably plausibly as powerful, if not more powerful than, than Thanos. Yeah. I mean, the ability to tell the future is a godlike power. Um, yes, that is God level. And it's very hard as demonstrated in this episode to deal with someone who has that power. Um, yeah. Unless they want you to. So unless yeah, they relinquish it. And then uh, it's like, Oh Jesus, why are they doing this? You know? Right. Right. Is this some master plan that they've got? Am I being tricked here? Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I thought it was an excellent way to end this first season. Um, I know they're going to do another season, and I guess this will, you know, carry over to the movies in interesting ways. I assume Doctor Strange is going to be dealing with some of this stuff, but like, it also leaves them this big out, right? Because whatever character comes along, it's not going to be the same character, like you said. Right. It'll be, it'll be a version of that character, and the heroes in whatever other movie we're doing are going to have to meet him as well. So. Anybody who yeah. hasn't seen Loki is going to be able to be brought up to speed at that time when, you know, people who have seen Loki are being introduced to another version of this character, which I think will be interesting for everybody involved. Yeah, I mean, to put this in Rick and Morty terms, like imagine if Rick literally was going to be the next villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And at the end of Loki, you met Rick. Mm-hmm. Well, did you meet Doofus Rick? Did you yeah. meet the Rick that like loved his daughter and wife and was happy his whole life and was a pretty, you know, normal dude? Or did you are you meeting the Rickest Rick? Like who the fuck knows? So now like we've got did we just meet Doofus Kang? 
It's kind of silly. Yeah, he was pretty silly. Yeah, what's the version of that? What's the kangiest Kang we can get? And apparently some of these Kangs are bad dudes. Um, And, you know, I also thought that, like, I I get a little bit more of the leftovers comparison because the finale of the leftovers on so many ways was kind of like a Rorschach test about how you felt about the characters and who why you who who Mm. would lie about what and do what. I felt like that they way the we in the episode, there's a lot of questions about Sylvie and what she did after she stabbed, you know, Jonathan Majors. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like, we're not really sure about the motivations. Like, you know, for example, did he automatically spawn back because it's an inevitability of the universe? Or did Sylvie, like, see the horrors of what happened and, like, r- deliberately retrieving from the timeline and be like, take it back, take it back. Like, I've got I've got a theory. This probably won't come true, but I have a wild out there theory. If they want to go real crazy with it, uh, Sylvie may have taken over the uh, position of he who remains Mm -hmm. and is now using the uh, image of he who remains the old one, Jonathan Majors, as the new timekeepers. I think it's very telling that the new timekeeper looks like jonathan majors right and, and like when he just runs it as so like it, that that tells us that it's not the same as what was happened before we are no. on a different timeline and he's doing a different strategy i never even considered it could be sylvie like yeah that's the perfect puppet master yeah so he i like that because it means it means my biggest prediction last week that sylvie would betray loki and take over everything for herself is true and could be. who's to say it's very leftovers <laughs> how you know so. yeah i i mean this you looking ignites my excitement for dr strange anew um i i like mm-hmm. the first dr strange a lot and i will definitely be seeing the second one but also with this wrinkle and knowing that dr strange is like the perfect uh counterpoint to this stuff i'm super excited for that movie now See, this is why I'm glad that I'm kind of loosely attached to the Marvel spoilers. Like, I don't keep my ear to the ground because I remember when we were watching Lovecraft Country, like Jonathan Majors is just fucking jacked and yoked in that series. Mm -hmm. And we I joked about like maybe he's every young male lead is this like, you know what? Let's do some cycles and do some time in the gym because (laughs) who knows? When the mouse comes calling, I don't care if it's Star Wars or Marvel. I want to get on that gravy train and then I have him look at IMDb and he was I think he was even cast as like or credited as like Kang the Conqueror in an Ant-Man movie which I have some questions about but like huh. it's funny because like I didn't remember any of that but like it all flooded back as soon as the elevator parted and he was sitting there I was like oh right he got Marvel Jack they hired him in a Marvel thing and now years <laughs> later here it is like it was a it was it was a, it was a nice fun surprise yeah. and uh I think he's He's a fantastic actor, and I thought mm-hmm. he nailed like a world weary, intelligent, um, hyper uh, what what do you call that? Um, omniscient being. Yeah, demigod. Sure. You know. Yeah, yeah. Like I've seen, like you know, it, it's this isn't my first time I've seen one of these characters pop into science fiction, but mm-hmm. I thought it was a it was a distinct take, a unique take, and he added just the right amount of flavor that was fun, but also serious and dangerous and menacing. Um. Yeah, that's the gambit, though. Like this whole episode is—is is everything he said a lie and a manipulation, or was it the truth? And that's why I like—I I like the connection to the leftovers because that's how the leftovers ended. Mm-hmm. You know, with a basic story, and you have to decide what you want to believe based on what you know about the characters. 
Unfortunately, when he had like six episodes of this Loki, so I don't feel like I got a really fine lie detector with him. Um, but again, this was yeah. way more ambitious than I was think that I thought it would be. Maybe I'm a sucker, but I'm I'm buying it. Uh, I'm buying Loki's confusion, Loki's uh, heartbreak, Loki's everything at the end of this episode. Um, but maybe I'm a sucker. Like I said, we'll, we'll find oh, out. No, I'm saying like, I, 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 I kind of believe the Loki's being legit. I just don't know whether Kang's being legit or he who remains is being legit or Sylvie's being legit mm-hmm. or any of those people. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with Ravona Renslayer? Like that's like, I, is she like, that's the other thing is like, maybe that's my other hot theory is maybe, uh, the reason Kang was so confident he would come back is because he sent a dossier to Renslayer that mm-hmm. says, hey, this is about to go down and here's how you can get me back into the driver's seat. Yeah, she's a um, wild card, right? I, she's I a think wild she card. just steps through a portal and we'd never see her again. So, <laughs> right, right. You got you got a time nomad out there doing crazy things. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, well, maybe we should get into the recap, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. All right, we start off with uh, some crazy imagery, some time travel, space, audio, visual stuff happening. Uh, Then Loki and Sylvie end up in front of the uh, castle in space somewhere. I I don't know where they are. Another dimension, who who knows? Uh, They go inside. Miss Minutes delivers an offer from He Who Remains. He says he can reinsert them into their timelines to live the lives they always wanted together. And the TVA can continue to do their work, but they turn him down. Proceed on. I do want to say that, like, I found this beautiful. Um, this intro sequence was just a visual feast mm-hmm. of black holes and timelines and unreal geography and geometry. Like, I love this shit. Boulders floating in midair, no right angles. Uh, I think, and it it just looks really slick. It's ve- it's, and I don't want to keep harping on this, but the effects have been so good these last two episodes. It really is a head scratcher about what happened in in episode three. Maybe that was some like COVID lockdown shit that they did with the in a closet with green screen. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know, but like these are believable, seamless worlds that they're inhabiting, and they're so much bigger and grander and weirder than anything that came before. It's just. Yeah, I, I there, there's just again, I, I just love the, the look and, and the sound of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really on display. Uh, they knocked it out of the park. I thought this this episode. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about them being tempted here? Uh, being given a, it is, an offer. 
This <laughs> is uh, Satan showing up in the desert with Jesus and being like, hey, kind of thirsty, son of God. You're kind of hungry, huh? It's been 40 days, 40 nights. That's rough for anybody. I tell you what. Uh, yeah, except, it, you know, that's the momentary, like, solution to his problem. But what what they've always wanted, you know, Sylvia wants this life that that didn't go off the rails when she was a child and is, you know, full of just her running. Loki wants to beat the Avengers and take the threat, all that stuff. Uh, rule. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's setting up. I, I think it's like a reminder as we go into the final act of this season, telling us what these characters wanted when they started out and planting the seed that they might still want those things and that they might be Loki enough to betray each other to get them. Um, because and they like, want versions of all these things, right? Like they do, uh, you know, like maybe killing everybody in New York City and th- like maybe that so much. But waking up together, the lifetime of happy memories together. Mm-hmm. I think that's very attractive to to them. So it's like they just like it was it was everything. The passions old, current and even future imagined. And I thought it was effective because both of these actors are good enough that like I really felt like they were torn. Yeah, there was a there is, is more than like data, you know, the Borg queen. How how long were you tempted data? Zero point three nanoseconds. Like, nah, there is. There is. And, you know, what does time even mean in this place? But I, I there, there's some real temptation, I thought. Yeah, although I will say uh, it was probably lessened by the fact that Loki knows that the Infinity Stones are just trinkets to these people and that there's a power much greater than himself or the Infinity Stones mm. out there. So even if you gave him the Infinity Gauntlet and the throne of Asgard. It, there'd still be that in the back of his mind, like, well, am I really ruling or am I being ah, allowed to yeah, rule by, you know, a time dictator? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I thought it was nice with the, the bookend of what happens at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go to Ravona's office where she's getting some files, but they're not the ones she asked for. They were ones chosen by he who remains. I assume. I don't think it's that yeah. explicit. And and like I said, this is like one of the many things you could rabbit holes you can go down is like, what did he who remains information? What did he give to Ravona Renslayer here? Yeah. Um, is he because it could be maybe, step by step instructions on how to put him back in place. You have some um, ideas. I, yeah, I was wondering if it's maybe like, you know, the time and date of the first discovery of these universes and maybe she can like mm. try and control that from spinning out into the multiverse war. Um, yeah, somehow. See, it just, it's like it, this to me reminds me of the dark attack and Neo. It's like, even if everything he's saying is true, it's gotta be maximum self-serving for, from his point of view. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, 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 I just, I just wonder like, did he just give her the truth that he is he manipulating her? Is he giving her the truth and manipulating her that way? Um, I don't I'm not so sure why she's so hell bent on like she seems alone in the TVA of being just utterly convinced of the necessity of this thing, even after she sees it's a fraud and there's been lying. And yeah, she also seems to be the only one that doesn't kind of recoil away from like losing her, you know, free will and individuality. Mm-hmm. Um She's a really odd character. I haven't quite got a, a beat on her. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's interesting because, like, I, you know, it could be that he's giving her information that's vital to preserve his rule over the TVA, or it could be that he's actually done ruling the TVA. Um, you know, we yeah. talked about how 
immortality and uh, being out of time can drive you crazy. You know, it, it's a, a hell of its own, right? Um, mm-hmm. Eventually. And he, he definitely felt like he was there. Like he's going a little mad, a little time mad, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, he might want out of this thing desperately and maybe he's setting Rafona up to take over. Who knows? And it's, you know, the Marvel Marvel's always need new villains to vanquish. Like, you mm-hmm. know, the, if you can remember the Guardians of the Galaxy started off with Ronan, the accuser, who the fuck was he? Where did he come from? You know, he is a villain for one shot. Like, I wonder if one thing they could do to set the, the to kind of like light set is like um, you set up these villains that in previous in- incarnations of Marvel Cinematic Universe would just come out of nowhere and you're just like, well, he's the big villain. Well, now they can give him a little bit of backstory and there's multiple levels of it. Like you got Renslayer that could play around with like the Guardians of the Galaxy as some kind of chrono power. You've got, uh, you know, people like uh, uh, shit. Uh, Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus Louis mm-hmm. uh, is is there to like kind of fuck with the Captain America power level people on earth and she's clearly connected in some way to these I, I just think that that's that's cool because they have like I wouldn't mind if Ronan the accuser was introduced in like a six series um, Marvel miniseries I could take her leave because if he if I come into the movie not knowing who the fuck Ronan the accuser is then I'm exactly where I was when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy for the first time so it's mm-hmm. like no harm no foul so I can but if I do watch it I'll probably have a little bit more juice to like his pathos yeah. and what he's wanting and he'll be a little bit more three dimensional so like I don't know I'm I'm coming around and I I get this 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 episode's kind of changed my mind on what Marvel can and can't do with these miniseries I still yeah, think it, they it, can't it, treat him like must see TV but there's a lot of wiggle room here right but they could treat him like they treat the comics right now yeah i mean that, that's yep. they've been so good at that right giving the people who've read the comics the little morsels that they want uh to to hint at the backstory that they know is there while also catching up everybody else who hasn't read the comics they can just do that now with their own television series Makes and this marvel sense. legends thing they got going on disney plus which is essentially like a visual wikipedia of easy to digest like they can just keep updating that and doing it to where like you know, it's no longer it's it's like if you tell someone like, well, what do I need to do to enjoy this movie? Well, you need to watch 24 movies. You need to watch six miniseries. You know, what? and they're like, fuck you. But yeah. if you're like, you know what? Watch this seven minute video on Disney Plus and you'll be ready to go. That is something people will do. And it seems yeah. like they've thought about all this stuff and are putting those those puzzle pieces in, in place. Yeah. And they definitely are no stranger to the previously ons because there was a pretty long one for this episode yep. uh, catching you up through everything that's happened uh i always skip those during the the mid-season stuff but like yeah yeah, coming back in a season two having a three minute video three minute section that plays uh before the episode i think would make a lot of sense or even before the movie right get maria menounos off the screen and just put up (laughs) a trailer of the previous seasons of whatever show you need to know perfect yeah i wonder if what movie theaters goers would do if like every marvel movie had like a seven minute trailer of like last time we left our hero just to kind of help that out i i would not have a problem with that as long well as long as it didn't just extend the number of trailers and and movie preview things that happened because that's getting obscene at this point yeah it's true it's true 34 the 20 30 minutes of of stuff and i know Um, that might be a viable backed up but like yeah that would be cool yeah. And they're probably going to have to do, do that like, even for just the movie stuff eventually, right? Because they've got so many movies at this point. 
if you yeah. need to know all the stuff that happened in the first phase or whatever, that's a long time ago, man. Um, and it's just getting longer ago and there's just getting more and more stuff made. So, but we'll the way they keep it. pruning their heroes, like you don't need to know anything about Tony Stark other than he died and he's kind of like a G- Jesus figure in this character, this this timeline. <laughs> like you yeah. know, like Captain, like they're not. They're yeah. like I said, I, I'm. I, I think that the one thing that Marvel still has to worry about is people's appetites. Mm-hmm. But I am going to back way off on the like, ah, there's no way they can make people do or be able to do this storytelling and have it dovetail back into the movie. I think they can. I don't know if they'll do it perfectly every single time. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't know, like er, er, if people are ready to consume a week's worth of content on superheroes each year. Um, but like, yeah, they are. They definitely have given a lot of thought to these problems and they're clever people. And I've, I was very impressed with some of the answers I saw in this episode. For sure. All right. Loki and Sylvie enter a chamber where they encounter he who remains. He invites them into his office to talk. And on the elevator ride, Sylvie tries to kill him, but he evades her and he sits them down for tea or something. I don't know. Drinks in his office. Uh, yeah, they, I, I didn't know that you would need to be like omniscient to be able to dodge a Loki strike, but I guess that helps <laughs> certainly. Yeah, uh, the the blur away from it anyway. I, I just mm-hmm. like this guy. I don't know. He's got something about him. He's very disarming. This this godlike being that shows up eating an apple, mm-hmm. super happy to see the heroes. Uh, not really pissed off when they attack him. Doesn't do grandiose. Ah, oh, you know, he saves that for later because he's just so confident. He just like feels like at the, everything yeah. he does is he's in control, except for when he's not in control and he planned on it to happen that way. Mm-hmm. Um, this way he turns his back on these very powerful beings. I thought that was like very powerfully visually that like Jonathan Majors, just this big broad shouldered dude for first to frame. He just turns his back on these demigods that are armed because he knows there's nothing they can do. Mm-hmm. Well, not and it's not that he just knows what they're going to do. Yeah. And um, he knows that he's already effectively dodged it right and we've seen this parlor trick i mean owen wilson played this game in the first episode of loki but like this was a, on a much much higher stakes grander scale and mm-hmm. he just he just felt 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 powerful and in control for sure uh you know who's not in control at the moment is uh ravona mobius confronts her in her office and she tries to call on the guards, but he tells her, oh, your secret's out. And then we get cut over to B-15, who is in Fremont, Ohio in 2015, luring a bunch of TVA agents to <laughs> Ravona's office, Rebecca's office, let's say, mm-hmm. um, where she's a teacher at a high school and it blows this guy's mind. So, yeah, Judge Renslayer, you know, is a variant. I mean, we knew this, right? But the, the guards didn't. But she's now opening the eyes of everybody. I was a little disappointed that Franklin D. Roosevelt High was in Fremont, Ohio and not Brooklyn, New York. I was really hoping yeah. for some kind of cute after credits like uh, fucking around with the Captain America. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Um, yeah, uh, that, that that turned out to pay. I'm not sure why they went with that school and all that. But like, it, yeah, she's just a principal of this place. Maybe. Um, yeah. I guess it was Rebecca Tormine. Uh, if you if you read it on the degree, that's like a known alias that uh, this uh, uh, Ravona Renslayer character in the comics. Again, I'm not really familiar with her her work, um, but like obviously, there's a lot of Easter eggs and stuff to to dive in there if you want to get a little bit ahead of her arc of in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or you know, kick back and relax and 
just let it come as it is and watch a couple YouTube videos if, if you want to get or, or podcasts if you want to get it explained. Um, but yeah, it's cool that like that they're essentially running tours of Rebecca's office to like instantly deprogram these agents. That's a yeah, there's nothing idea. more effective, right, than seeing Judge Renslayer in a yeah. in a fucking button up blouse uh, with with like probably a bunch of stains on it from children. No, it's a high school. They're probably not. They're <laughs> yeah. probably not that shitty. Uh, yeah. But, you know, holding a stack of books and papers uh, going into a shitty office. And has no idea who she was authentically. Like, who oh, are yeah. you people? What are you doing here? Like, that's that's that will instantly make you consider what the person has to say, especially since it's coming from a respected, I think, B-15. Uh-huh. Um, we've seen like C20 and like D30. Like, I, I feel like she's like a higher one of the higher ranked uh, enforcers. So I, I thought that was just, yeah, yeah, like they needed something because they can't. What they can't do is have like five separate scenes of people being like, hey, here's the deal with the timekeepers. So like doing this, it's fun. Gives you a little detail about Renslayer. I thought it was great. Again, really, really well conceived. Uh, so he who remains tells Loki and Zoe that they can't kill him because he already knows the future and he has the receipts to prove it. And he claims, hey, I brought you here and then tries to kind of sow doubt about whether they can trust each other or really anyone as Loki's. There's a little bit of uh, Dan Harmon lore, I think, dot in here, um, you know, because uh, uh, the, the showrunner here cut his teeth on Rick and Morty. And he was talking about, uh, you know, you, you can't get to the end until you've been changed by this journey. That's like a standard uh, story. Dan Harmon story circle, which is just a, you know, reimagining of the hero's journey. Yeah. Um, you got to get in the right mindset to finish the quest. I thought that's that's funny that I thought that was just funny. It's like you it, it's very narrative. It's like you guys did the actions. You guys have been walking the path, but I'm the one that paved it. Like it really puts him in kind of like a and I guess he is a narrator. Mm-hmm. You know, he just prunes the things that he doesn't want to happen and encourages the things that does. Um, right. He is the author of the universe at this point. Like he's deciding what the sacred timeline is. And that yeah. is writing the future, essentially. Like, it's, it, you know, it's pruning. It's pruning the future down, but it's essentially choosing and, and making that story a reality. Yeah, and the fact that he's got, like, Santa Claus level of uh, omniscience, that, like, he doesn't just know how and what, but why and what the people are feeling. Like, those, like, mm-hmm. as he kept on adding details, like, I know the things that TVA doesn't even know. Like, the fact that you got close and that little look that you had by the lake, like that stuff is like, he doesn't just know the, the, the minute details. He knows like everything, the emotional landscape, why it's happening and better than you even know yourself. And that, I think yeah. that's what makes him really frightening. I imagine there's a version of that scene on Lamentis where he's standing in the background watching it, you know, like mm. that, that's like, he's got, an infinite amount of time and therefore an infinite amount of possibilities. Now, the, the one thing right. I will say is I didn't quite understand what exactly gave him an infinite amount of time because he's just a dude, right? Um, the only thing I can think is that this bracelet he's wearing that he'll eventually take off and kind of you know push toward the Lokis gives him like right. immortality of some kind or it keeps him from aging because otherwise he's just a dude time- who would age normally, right? Yeah, I wonder if time just doesn't exist in this fortress at the end of time. It's possible, like, yeah. It's beyond time. Yeah. 
because uh, like obviously the rules of physics don't fucking <laughs> I mean, apply here that, that's a stupid idea it's always been a stupid idea because time is yeah essentially nothing like, but change right and without time right. nothing can change just, therefore you can't move you can't think you can't exist there's uh, no causality you could exist. the matter could be there but it wouldn't interact with anything else so right right yeah, yeah. It's, it's a dumb idea but it's also like in reality but it's also a cool idea for a narrative story. And it's one of those things where it's like if you said a, a god type character, like, well, it doesn't make sense to us, but if you're, you know, because you're just mm-hmm. so limited by your fourth dimensional thinking, like, uh, um, of course, it, it's a really cool idea in that that kind of way too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Mobius and Ravona argue about which one of them betrayed the other. Uh, he tries to convince her that she's doing the wrong thing uh, by, you know, essentially removing free will from the universe. But she takes her files and she goes through a portal. Uh, kicks his ass down down the stairs too, which I found hilarious. He's just like, I, especially yep, the way they you're they, right back here. They, <laughs> they did the Marvel thing where like he kind of squared his shoulders and the camera pushed in on him heroic mm-hmm. and the the heroic strings and trumpets started playing. Like, yeah, this is where Owen Wilson gets gets the fucking finally and nope she just effortlessly disarms him and puts him on his ass uh <laughs> this is the correct I just, argument though i i, I like his logic mm-hmm. here right like th- this is the moral argument you like her argument is we've been friends so long i can't believe you betrayed me and went to the other side his argument is what our side was doing was immoral and so of course i switched and you need to switch too that's that's the logic that's the argument here um and it it yeah and it gets complicated right because later in the episode actually next scene we're gonna see it all laid bare and say you know now choose and that's a very yeah. tough choice to make right yeah and i wonder i i i just i can't figure out Rinslayer. Um, why does she have a special affinity for Owen Wilson? I think it's a real affinity because we didn't mention it, but like earlier in the scene, she was like kind of looking wistfully at his coffee stains Mm -hmm. and she says, you know, we had friendship for eternity, but I guess what does that even mean? If you believe a hundred percent causality and a timekeeper that's enforcing it like, well, you're friends with me because you had to be literally it's like your mom made you do it except for mom is a unchangeable, unfeeling cosmic force. Mm hmm. Like he didn't hang out with me because he wanted to. You didn't help me because of this. You didn't. So like I, I right. thought they could have gotten a little bit more into that, but you know it's a Marvel show, and I just she's the biggest question mark other than maybe Kang himself, who's somewhat unfathomable. But like why, why mm-hmm. is she doing this? Like why does she hate? Uh, like I, I wish she could articulate like something because like it seems like free will and freedom is a big thing for us twenty first century humans to have somebody from her own timeline just be so cavalier about like once they wake up and are no longer deluded be like oh yeah sure uh you know one central force picks the winners and losers and enforces it on a cosmic scale because it's the only way it has to happen because like what the hell did she read on that data tablet or what the hell does she know that we don't um, or what does she believe because i that's the other thing yeah. right like did she drank the kool-aid or she may have just drank the kool-aid here um and just truly believes that it's better to have a benevolent dictator pruning away you know all but the single sacred timeline than to have the multiversal war destroy everything and and if that's true like it's tough to tell right like how much is he remains lying to us lying to loki's um how much how certain is he of the eventual outcome of that multiversal Mm -hmm. war 
will it actually destroy everything? Is Eliath going to eat all time and space uh, if he didn't take over? Or, you know, what? It's there are a lot of questions, but I think like Ravona has drank this Kool Aid for sure. There's another thing that makes me think that she's actually going to go and be the one that saves him and puts him back on the on the throne. And that's because like they established in this conversation, they play this verbal trick where, you know, you can't take people's free will. And Owen says no one has free will except one guy. And then Ravona, right before she walks in the, through the portal, she says, I'm going to search for free will. I think. It's a valid interpretation if like the only guy's got a free will personified is Kang the Conqueror and mm. she's searching for free will. What she's really saying is I'm going to go back to the timeline and find that like, you know, whatever variant of Kang is amenable to the idea. And I'm going to put him back on top because that's the most important thing. Like we can't just let this thing you know collapse in on itself. Makes um, a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, if, if she's being assisted by he remains himself. Uh, with the files because remember she doesn't get the file she wanted right she doesn't even actually have time to look at the files that she got she just kind of goes mm-hmm. through the portal as best I can tell so yeah she's probably on a mission to find him um, and that could be cool I, I would really like to see a few scenes of different versions of uh, Jonathan Majors figuring out uh, the universe uh, stack or whatever he calls it, the the stacked right. universes and like how all that came together. I'm I'm super excited that we'll probably get to see the origination of that stuff. I think we're going to. I do because like it's just a fun concept having him right. like having multiple like maybe one of them's on our side. Maybe, like it's it's yeah it's it's going to be just as fun as Rick and Morty, only probably live action and slightly more serious. So that can mm-hmm. be a lot of fun and very intriguing to watch. All right, this next scene is the big one. Um, and I'm going to kind of run through most of it. Uh, stop me if you really want to talk about something. But this okay. is the scene where he remains, sits down, Loki and Sylvie, and claims that everything uh, would burn without him. And he, he explains how he discovered the alternate universes and how versions of himself started this war with each other, almost ended everything. Uh, eventually, they encountered Eliath, which he describes as a creature capable of consuming time and space. And then he weaponized it and used that to end the multiversal war. He then created the TVA to prevent the war from happening, uh, presumably over and over and over again. I don't know. Uh, and claims to be a benevolent dictator who's seen all of the outcomes. And this is the best option. He offers them the reins of the TVA because he's tired of doing this and he's looking for somebody to take over. Then something imperceivable happens. There's like maybe a low roar or something. He says, we've crossed, crossed the threshold. Yeah. And he doesn't know what's going to happen from that point on. Uh, Sylvie still doesn't believe him. He takes off this bracelet and kind of pushes it toward Sylvie. Um, But then she jumps up, tries to kill him. They fight Uh, Loki and her fight because he's trying to stop her. uh, Because I think he believes him. And then, she tricks him, pushes him through a portal, and then kills he who remains. Wow, he did the whole fucking thing. God damn. I, it's it's um, one scene, man. It's an unbroken <laughs> chain of causality here. Okay, let's rewind this. Um, yeah. So I, we've been calling this guy Kang the Conqueror. I don't know that that's true. 
Um, I will say that his statuary at the TVA at the end is very reminiscent to like Kang running his uniform with minus the helmet. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of trademark slightly somewhere between a Sentinel from X-Men and Dr. Doom helmet. Um, but like, I did think it was interesting. Like, you know, he's officially he who remains or a jerk. Yeah, that's uh, what I've been calling but it. He, he, he put a lot of emphasis on conqueror. Which mm-hmm. makes me think that they're really like, yeah, we are, are supposed to be making these connections. And, or at the and very least, lines. it's a wink to the people who have been speculating that because right. they knew people would speculate that. Right. Um, but this is like, I, I just thought this was funny. This is it's so Rick and Morty. Like this guy's essentially Rick. Like, I love the idea of like, uh, you know, this narcissistic self-congratulatory piece where, you know, every Kang is more impressed with each other. and They're sharing knowledge and power and all that kind of stuff. But of course, a few of these Kang variants aren't so nice. They can't be right. And and mm-hmm. they are the ones that are trying to conquer. Um, but he, he's like, that's the thing is like, he just lays it out. Like, this is the gambit. You either think that I'm the benevolent person who's just trying to keep things going in a thankless task, or I am one of those conquerors who has completely enslaved a timeline and is keeping it in step so that no one can ever break free. Mm hmm. Do you, I have a theory that when that shutter happens and the cross a threshold, that's literally the red line we've seen so many times. And we see later on where like the timeline is just go exploding past that. But in the yeah. background, there's like that sacred timeline is a silver ribbon that's kind of orbiting this whole castle. You can start to see branches feather off of it. And I mm-hmm. think that once it, it crosses that red, that's the zone where he no longer is certain. He no longer has control of the timeline. Um, yeah. But again, that's just me surmising. Um, I didn't get the Eliath stuff. Like he is just the weapon that he used to win the timeline war. It's it's really hard to imagine how he could possibly weaponize a being this powerful. Uh that yeah. literally eats time and space, consumes it. Like I get that that's you know, an effective thing to use in the void or wherever Loki ended up right when he was pruned because yeah, if you can, if you can eat space uh, and, and just it and completely wipe it off the map, right? Uh, Like it didn't exist. Mm -hmm. That's of great use to him uh, in his mission to prune all these timelines. But how did he tame this thing? How, how did a mere mortal? I, I mean, even with foreknowledge of everything, presumably like a being that's outside of time and space and consumes it. Like I consume Chipotle burritos, a Chipotle burrito (laughs) or, or a piece of lettuce in the Chipotle burrito couldn't come and, and have any effect on my life, you know? Right. Unless it had salmonella on it. And then maybe it'll put me on the pot for a day or two, but like, it's just not, it doesn't seem feasible that he could do anything to Elias. Ah, but what if he what if what if that burrito is wrapped into aluminum foil pouch? There's nothing. Your human oh, teeth would just would just hurt trying to chew through it. So, I mean, I, I think because I, I remember um, Sean's been sending us these lore dumps. Right. And they he talked about like uh, or maybe this is something I uh, came up with as a result of his research. But there the idea that Kang like uh, burnt like like the way a forest fighter like, you know, they parachute down. and They just clear cut like a half mile of trees. They did deprive the, the, the it. Like he did something like that, like literally destroyed a section of time and space between him and Eliath to keep him safe from Eliath. Um, and I think that's part of the whole pocket at the end mm. of the year. 
Like, you're supposed to understand this is like a self-contained thing that, for some reason, it's made out of nothing, so Eliath can't get to it unless he's got a time pad. No one give him a time pad. That's that's going to be really crucial for this next Marvel phase. Eliath can't get a time pad. But Eliath um, is presumably outside of time and space also. Yeah? Yeah, when you talk about a force that's essentially entropy, I again, I cannot yeah. even think about how. But it also, like, if a person can, they're just, like, operating on a technological and understanding the universe that's so far beyond what we can comprehend that like, okay, fine. Yeah. You put a, you put a leash on a whatever. Yeah. I mean, he um, is re-architecting the universe here. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. a pretty big feat. Yeah. Um, but like, there's also, um, so when he says, Hey, none of this was personal. I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to preserve the cosmic harmony. And Sylvie says, well, it felt pretty personal to me. Cause one time he kind of snaps. It says, grow up. You know, we're all murderers and hypocrites. He pointedly looks at Loki. Loki, you know, just joined the series as he was trying to genocide New York. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and he's like, we've all done horrible, terrible, horrific things, uh, but now you can do them for a good reason. Uh, but that's like every argument that like a yeah. conquer colonizer has ever made. Justify the means. I mean, it's well, it's, sure we rolled in here and we destroyed your culture and polluted your water, but you got hospitals and roads now. Like, did you know that you're right. you're you're making like fifty cents a dollar an hour? You were making like five cents an hour twenty years ago. Like, mm-hmm. maybe all some of those things are good, but like at what cost? And and is was yeah. there a way that we could have done it without destroying the culture and polluting the environment and all that? And he's just this binary thing. It's like, well, either trust that what I'm doing is right mm-hmm. or you just destroy the, just, just, just get rid of me and, and take your chances. And on, that's, on, that is the choice here, right? Like without being yeah. omniscient, um, that is the only choice they have is, is hoping that he's lying. And when they kill him, it won't destroy the universe. And it would be really interesting to see like what the Avengers would say if someone with 100% credibility came and said, here's the deal, guys, in five years, the timelines are going to collapse and you can't mm-hmm. stop it. All you can do is decide which of your timelines is, is it's going to be the one that you live in or you're going to you just essentially let someone else decide. Yeah, like that's like a cosmic trolley problem. Mm-hmm. You know, you pull this switch and your timeline lives, but everyone else dies. But it's going to happen. There's nothing you can do to stop it. So which right. switch you're going to pull? I would love to see Thor and Captain America, if he's still around and, and all those people debate vision, Wanda debate about what you should do, because you can make an argument both ways. Well, like it's immoral to make the choice. And if we happen to live because that's the way it worked out, then great. And the other one is mm-hmm. like, well, there are no moral choices, so I might as well preserve my own existence. Right. And which one's right or wrong? I, there's some there might be some interesting moral like I thought that they were being a little shy about the moral quandaries of like the snap and reintegrating stuff. But I don't know. Maybe they're just going to really fucking knock over a hornet's nest and deal with a lot of thorny yeah. moral and ethical issues, which I think would be good. I hope so. Yeah. Um, that may, maybe they're just getting warmed up. We'll see. Yeah. Like as society gets more secular, it's like. I'm glad so many kids aren't going to Sunday school, but on the other hand, maybe we should be telling them something mm-hmm. and having the superheroes wrestle with basic moral and ethical dilemmas is better than the nothing. Right. For sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then the timelines start branching like crazy as B 15 and Mobius watch and Loki just kind of sits alone being very sad that he was betrayed. And then 
he comes up with an idea and he runs off to find Mobius. He runs through the whole facility, the TVA there. He finds Mobius. He explains what just happened, warns him. There are infinite versions of he who remains are coming. And Mobius says, who are you? Calm down, crazy person. Who are you? What, what, what unit are you with? And Loki realizes, oops, the timelines have already changed. He's, he's a different universe, whatever. Uh, and he sees a statue of the timekeeper, but it's he who remains. It's Jonathan Majors. This is a great ending, man. I'm like, this gets me so hyped for what could happen in season two. Um, it's the twist that I, I have been looking for for so mm-hmm. long. Um, the, the, the timey wimey playing with stuff that they, they promised they were going to do. And, you know, maybe their promise is not uh, completely empty. Maybe they're just, you know, taking their sweet time with it. And that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, the ha- the fact that um yeah, I just can't ge- get over about like my feeling at the end of this was kind of giddy in the way that like it felt like when I read like a six like a standalone six episode miniseries in some summer of Marvel. Um y- you know, back in my youth where it's like a self-contained story involving some of my favorite heroes that completely changed the game or what I thought was 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 happening. Um and it didn't answer all the questions. It raised a lot of big ones um, and it sets things up. Um, and this was like, you know, the series were pretty relentlessly entertaining throughout maybe a spot or two. I, I had some concerns, but like this is just a well told story with great characters, someone passionate about the lore. And the fact that they're able to set up a whole bunch of other TV shows and movies is just, you know, icing, icing on the cake. And it's such yeah, a great sure. way, place to put Loki the man who cannot be trusted is now the sole prophet of doom for the Marvel universe. And he has to convince everyone that like, we've got to unite. We've got to get behind. There's no time, but like you literally pick the boy who cries wolf <laughs> to come in and say, seriously, guys, I'm not making it up. There's a real wolf. There's actually an infinite number of wolves and some of them are bad. And some of them are good, but most of them are bad. like, it's, it's great. I, yeah, I, yeah, I can't say enough of good. I, in fact, I kind of want to roll back because I, I wasn't aware that we were going to like completely move on to the end of the episode. Um, what did you think about the Loki Sylvie stuff? Like uh, you, we regard. talked about how that like how that was like um, I was gratified that we didn't have another giant punching session. Yeah, yeah. That this was very much felt like two people wrestling with their you know, this this did kind of feel a little, you know, uh Kevin Kevin Garvey and 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 Nora from the leftovers like trying like both having very different looks on the world and very different experiences with it but both very much in love and wanting to see the other like I I don't know I I was surprised I took Loki this seriously as a character like you know when he's like pleading like I don't want the throne I don't want to betray you I just want you to be okay yeah. And for her to believe that and like you think that like this is the happy ending, but she says you're not me and kicks him into the time portal, mm-hmm. um, which is other brilliance because it, it throws so many other monkey wrenches into like we know she killed Kang. I kind of thought that they might like cut away before that happens. Yeah, yeah. we have no idea what she does with the essentially eons of time after that. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know what Rinslayer's Rinsl- 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 doing. Uh, it's it's uh, like and and now Loki has no allies because the time has shifted. It's like he doesn't go. There's no Owen Wilson and 
and uh, Mobius and B-15 to help him out. They're just as clueless, but the timeline is in chaos and they're trying. It, it's a, it's a great way to end it. Um, I also yeah, thought I, I like that, that they the, don't, don't have our, the Loki we identify as Loki uh, be the betrayer here. Cause like it gets him closer to the character that he had become over, you know, the other Avengers movies and whatnot and Thor mm-hmm. movies. So I like where we're leaving him with that. Um, but it does make sense that a Loki would betray. So yeah, I, I really appreciate what they were doing with like being, you know, tempted at first and then her making the choice to reject that temptation, but also that choice might lead to the end of the known universe. Mm-hmm. I thought the kiss was very mask of Zorro. Like the theme that mm, they picked yeah. for them is so close to the anthem, uh, the, the Banderas Zeta Jones uh, anthem. Uh, hmm. And we could just watch that fairly recently. I thought yeah. that was uh, really fun. And also like it was a real moment. Sylvie like slowly approaching uh, he who remains and blowing his furniture out of the way. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. and I, it's just chilling that like as soon as, you know, he was looking forward to it. Right. This yeah. is like all felt very all part of his plan. Very much like the emperor in the throne room, except for I always thought the emperor was in over his head. Yeah. Like he's talking a bunch of shit, talking a bunch of smack. He had no this isn't how you foreseen it. Get the fuck out of here. I <laughs> bought this guy. Mm-hmm. He goes getting he greets a, a knife to his chest with a smile and a laugh. And I'll see you soon. Yeah. Like that's confidence. That's multidimensional, omnipotent, omniscient confidence coming out. And but is he telling the truth? Is he? Do you think he's one hundred percent telling the truth? Um, I don't know about a hundred percent, but definitely a lot of the stuff we've seen adds up, right? Um, we've seen Eliath kind of in captivity. Um. We know that there are a ton of different universes out there and in variants, different versions, timelines. We know that the, I don't know. I mean, are his motives good? I guess is the bigger question. Um, it, does, does he in fact know that if he doesn't do the things he's doing, stuff will spin out uncontrollably and end the universe or the multiverse? That's the biggest question I have is like, is is he that omniscient? Does he know? Because there are clearly things beyond yeah. which he doesn't know, right? Like the end of the timeline for him, like we, you know, we've talked about over the course of, especially last episode, I think, like this idea that there is a place after the void, right? That is is timeless. Um, it's beyond the end of the timeline that even the TVA and the timekeepers can't see beyond it. And we see that happen, right? That's the the threshold that he's talking about. How could he possibly know what would go on past that, right? Um, and yet, he's almost expecting his death here. How does he know that things haven't changed beyond the threshold? That you know something else might happen. I I I'm guess I'm my question is: Is he as omniscient as he thinks he is? Even if I were to believe him, what's well, like? That's the thing. It's like he could be. So like, it's a different. Um, like if you're just an omniscient being and you're just like, I'm going to turn off this omniscience and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. But also if you're that omniscient being and for several years leading up to it, you're like, I know I'm going to turn off my omniscience at this time and I'm going to set this fail safe and this fail safe and this fail safe. I'm going to clone myself and put it in this storage facility. That's got a five minute timer after the thing. Like that's a fundamentally different thing with, with him slipping that information to Rensselaer or Rensselaer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ravona Rinslayer, like 
he could have done that an infinite number of times. Sure. So like, it's kind of like, um, all right, kid, uh, I'll let you, you know what, let's flip a coin and, uh, you're, you're, and we're going to respect the coin toss. Right. But the coin is a double, double headed coin, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah, it's still a random flip, but you have really stacked odds in, in your favor. Um, so I just think that there's something there that he's not lying except for, I think he's lying about whether he's good or not. Like, I'm pretty sure this is an evil Kang. It could be. Um, or an amoral Kang maybe. And that he has essentially sealed himself off from anyone that can stop him. And he is just a parasite on this universe. But yeah, I, I don't know. I am very curious to see where it goes though. Mm-hmm. Well done, Marvel. You finally, you finally put the hook in pretty deep. I was looking for a reason to re-engage after all my favorite heroes have gone off and their stories lines have concluded. I think I just, I think I just found one. (laughs) This isn't exactly an after credit sequence, but there is a stamp on the Loki file at the very last. It's something we haven't seen before. And it says Loki will return in season two. So, okay. In case, in case there's any question about this being a limited series or returning series, because I kind of, I kind of thought some of these might be ones and dones, you know, like one division, something yeah. you can do once and you move on. But um, this one, I mean, you look at the ending of this and you go, well, definitely there's going to be a season two. You didn't need confirmation of that, I guess, at the end, because but here's to the, me, thing. The, the ending of this episode is the confirmation. Oh shit, they opened another door. Would well, be pretty dissatisfying if they never revisited that. But let's but that's what I'm saying is like a year from now, presumably there'll be several Marvel movies that touch on these things. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's like, what does it mean for Loki? Or maybe I don't know, because like a lot of the real like uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, uh, Fantastic Four stuff is coming out in like 2022. So -hmm. maybe they will take this next year to just kind of like, hey, you know what? Let's get the immortals out there. Let's, uh, you know, get another Spider-Man going. He's probably not going to be mixing up with Kang too much. Uh, we got the what if thing to like really blow people's mind. And we're just kind of like Loki returning will kind of kick off this thing in earnest. But like it's it's hard to say, like, you know, it's like um, if the expanse ends and says they'll return next season but there's four other expanse shows that continue the plot mm-hmm. then what does it mean for it to come back next season right. like it's not going to continue this very story right so but on the but other hand also they can't can probably make the rest of this story inconsequential either so right yeah that's right. tough um yeah. and if they do just kind of fuck around for a while before they get to like doctor strange uh where this stuff will probably be focused on then what do they come back with a season two of loki do a whole other season and then hit us with the movie continuity for this stuff because then they're really going to need that previously on loki sure at the beginning of the movie in the theater yeah two full seasons is a lot of time i'll say this i'm no i'm not going to gain i'm not going to naysay it I'm not going to be no, like no, Marvel no. can't possibly manage this at this point. Like I, I, I have a lot of faith. Like again, the only question in my mind is like how much appetite does people have? But mm-hmm. if they got easy, seamless on ramps for people to join that don't want to watch 36 more hours of television to get in on the thing. I also like the way <laughs> it's so beautiful. Cause like the way this ends, Loki's in a position where anyone in the Marvel cinematic universe, he has to explain what's going on. Mm-hmm. So like if we begin like a, a big Kang Avengers four and, and Loki's in it for the first like he will have to expose it all this stuff because mm-hmm. no one knows the things that he knows literally. Right. So like even if you missed all of Loki, 
he will plausibly have to give everyone else a recap of what happens in some kind of entertaining, probably way. So, like, I don't I don't know. It's like. It's just really, like I said, really clever the way they ended this with the time stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. As, as long as they're dealing with multiverses, I guess I won't have a problem for how the hell they're going to manage this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's such a great way to introduce the watchers and this this bleeds seamlessly into what if like, you know, uh, you know, this 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 cosmic being that that peers across the timelines and sees every possible permutation. Like this shit is just like hand in glove, yeah. and damn, they were busy during the pandemic, you know, like and and like the years leading up to it. Um, yeah. So yeah. All right, let's uh get into the feedback. I guess do we have any? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can send us feedback to Marvel at baldmove.com. This is the last show for Loki. Um, I don't expect us to do like week by week coverage of like what if, but I will be watching that and I'll be talking with this guy on our OTC premium podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when Marvel comes back and has a project we're interested in, uh, look for it here in the pulp feed and the feedback for it is Marvel at baldmove.com. Okay. Deb has a question for us. Uh, Baby Yoda versus Gator Loki. If you can only have one, which do you pick? A Grogu. I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, going the Grogu. Look at this guy. I t- well, <laughs> I'm going to respect that being and call it by its name. Uh, <laughs> if I look, if I knew Crocoloki's name, I'd call him it by its name, too. So. I think it's Crocoloki. Crocoloki. Crocolaka. I don't know. Uh, who would win in a fight? I, I by the way, yeah, I take I mean, like Gator Loki had a real strong episode, but, you know, I've fallen in love with uh, Grogu for for two years now. So Who, uh, did we see Crocoloki do anything? Powerful he ate a Loki's hand. That's pretty fucking powerful. I guess. Yeah, it could probably it could probably take a baby Yoda in like one bite. Two bites mm. max. I feel if the baby Yoda is up and ready for him, the force, although they're both wizard level force powers. Potentially. Then, well, that like, was my question. Loki, like, did we see the crocodile Loki oh, do any magic? Do we know that? That's magic? what you're asking. Maybe he hasn't practiced his magic, right? Yeah, maybe. Um, but that's the thing. Like they both have mystical powers that are really hard to define or quantify. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Gator Loki is a lot more durable. I will say that. Like, I think Gr- Grogu can yeah. be killed by like just stabbing him with a knife or something. And, um, and if Crocodile Loki can take like one shot from Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda will just fall asleep, and then yeah. Crocodile Loki can just come in and chomp him. Yeah, true. Who would try to eat who first? <laughs> uh, Crocodile Loki would try and eat Baby Yoda, but Baby Yoda would try and eat. Crocoloki's babies. <laughs> ah, so, so it's uh, one's one's trying to eliminate the individual, one's trying to eliminate the future progeny. Yeah, the whole line, just the whole damn thing. <laughs> Which one to try to eat Throg first? This is the mighty Thor version of a frog. <laughs> I mean, Baby Yoda for sure. Yeah, I feel like Croc Yoda won't be able to get him out of the jar, whereas Baby Yoda, he specializes in getting tasty treats out of containers he's not supposed to be into. So, like, he's going to whip that thing. He's going (laughs) to smell it like a like a truffle hound. He's going to dig down, use his little grubby fingers to pop that thing open. And then goodbye. Mighty Throg. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thank you. Thank you for asking these important questions, Deb. I I really appreciate it. We're getting to the heavier stuff. 
Ryan from Kansas City says, hey, guys, still not sure I feel about a season finale of a show being an exposition dump for further shows and movies. It really made me wonder if COVID hindered the show. On a less serious note, if Tempted equals Portal Gun or Tempad equals Portal Gun, there were more uses of the Tempad than the Portal Gun this season uh, in this season of Rick and Morty. Could Waldron have won the rights to use it in some drunken card game with Justin and Dan? Oh, <laughs> maybe. shit. Maybe. That, At least maybe for that's a season, the, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a high stakes uh, drunken poker uh, portal gun. Who, got, who gets used to use a portal gun this season? Uh, yeah. Especially since they come out the same. They're dueling, you know, for half of their seasons. Yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's, uh, it, could be, it could be a real game changer on the, the pickle me this side of the business. Um, which, by the way, I guess if you guys didn't know, we do a pickle me this podcast. If you subscribe to Bald Move Pulp, you you probably see those in your feed. Uh, but we actually have a podcast dedicated to Rick and Morty. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you like this timey wimey Doctor Who shit, lots more of it on Rick and Morty. Jerry writes in says, I just want to agree with you or Aaron's take on how Disney Plus shows are going to fit into the MCU meta. People aren't going to be forced to subscribe to Disney Plus to understand pivotal MCU moments. The shows are going to be for expanding character development they can't do in the short run time of a movie. The movies are the core story. Uh, look at Falcon and MCU. At the end of Avengers Endgame, Steve Rogers gives Sam a shield. Then Sam says he doesn't feel like it's his. Then Steve tells him, but it is. The show the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier is a multi-episode arc to expand on those two sentences. True. But whether or not you watch the show, neither audience will feel like it will have to come out of nowhere to see Sam appear as Captain America. Uh, makes sense for Kang to be used as a big bad for Phase 4, but I agree his major debut doesn't feel or like the right fit for a Loki show. Every other option makes more sense for the show. So I read this because there's a whole bunch of dry pie. And I just want to revisit and say, like, this episode changed how I felt about this equation. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think they could do both. I didn't think they could debut a powerful character in a way that, like I said, Loki's in a position where like no one else in the MCU knows what we know, so he's going to have to exposit that the next movie or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And also, is this Kang? Well, and then in this like, version of of whoever we saw, he remains is no longer alive, right? So there's also right. that wild card element. And even if this is a good, relatively bad Kang, there's always a worse Kang, right? I mean, that's the nature of infinite. Like if you pick any point on an infinite scale and say you can say that's the middle and it gets infinitely worse and infinitely better. Like that's the way infinity works. It breaks your brain. We're not, we're not really designed. We're not really evolved to to handle these concepts. But yeah, I just didn't see them. And, and I, when I was thinking about like all the other minor villains that we've seen, like Warmonger or uh, Ironmonger in the first Iron Man, like I didn't need to know that guy's backstory. But like also, I don't know that would have been terrible to have a four or five episode arc shown Jebediah's uh, relationship with Tony Stark growing up and, you know, deepening that. So it feels like a more betrayer. I, I, I use Ronan the accused because he's kind of like my my default for like who? Who was he? What was he wanting? He's season know, two of Loki is just going to be whiplash backstory. <laughs> <laughs> it's right? just, it's it's a it's Tony Stark losing. That's that's <laughs> his motivation. I got that. I don't need any any more backstory than the credit sequence of Iron Man two. But you know what I mean? Like all these literally <laughs> don't want anymore. Frankly. Yeah, these deep cut villains like what or, or what if you had a, a little mini series about um, Michael Keaton's deal mm-hmm. of being a hardworking blue collar guy to get shafted? Um, I, I think that's 
That would be smart because, again, we come in, we don't know who these villains are. We accept it over the course of two hours. How much better would it be if they're if they had some development? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that Marvel can now do both. They can fully develop these characters and then still launch them in the movie with them being kind of blank slates because that's all they've always worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the people that want to take the extra time to appreciate the material can. And for everybody else, there's going to be the five minute Marvel Legends thing on Disney Plus that you need to check out. Um, so I, yeah, I, I think that. For the most part, because this is hard. I think what they did on, on Loki was hard. And I don't I don't expect every show to do this. But if but but like I it, it has changed my mind about what I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe can do with these shows. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I wonder how big of a player Michael Waldron becomes in the is like uh, Kevin Feige. Is he kind of like uh, Kang the Conqueror? I'm, t- I'm tired. Mm-hmm. I've shepherded these superheroes for over a decade. This is a young man's game, a hungry person's game. Like, yeah. I wonder if he's, yeah, <laughs> he had all these, he had all these uh, showrunners in his office. Like, I'm not sure which one of you fuckers are going to be the one behind the desk, but it's gone. I just know it's going to be one of you. Yeah. And he throws a bunch of daggers and says fight. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Doug L. Says, hey, Jim and Aaron, I really enjoyed your Loki coverage. Well, thank you. Thanks. Just thought I'd mention the fact that this series is not the first time Hiddleston and Wilson have time traveled together. In Woody Allen film Midnight in Paris, Wilson plays a man who repeatedly travels back to the 1920s and hangs out the luminaries of his era, including F. Scott Fitzgerald, played by Hiddleston. Also worth checking out is his contemporary talk show appearance by Hiddleston, who does some dead-on impersonations, including one of uh, Owen Wilson. I think Uh, I've seen that. It's funny. It's like one of those British talk shows um, mm-hmm. where like they got they got the was it Corbin? You know, they're just kind of. Yeah, I, maybe I recognize the guy, but I'm not a big. Yeah. But but Hilson's doing like the Al or uh, Robert De Niro's there doing impersonations of him and, and Owen Wilson. And he's really good at it. It's yeah. it's it's charming. It's funny. Anyway, if you want to check it out, it's uh, the Graham Norton show mm. on the BBC from October 2nd, 2015. If you punch that into a search engine, uh, you'll get there. Anyway, thanks for that, uh, Doug. Let's move on to Sean, who's been our kind of uh, Loki historian to this, this point. He says, I got to say, I've never happier. I've never been happier to be wrong. I thought there was zero chance Jonathan Majors would show up, but here we are. At this point, Loki seems to be largely responsible for bringing Earth to Thanos' attention in the Infinity Saga, and now a variant of him seems to have kicked off the next uh, huge saga. Interesting. Yeah. You're right, Loki. It's always fucking Loki. Mm-hmm. The, the, the neat bit of lore that comes in handy this week is something He Who Remains mentions. He Who Remains mentions to Loki and Sylvie that the Kangs not only battled each other, but destroyed their universes as well, seeking to be the last remaining one. This is similar to Secret Wars um, 2000. This confused the fuck out of me when I was researching this, Sean, because there's a all time classic Marvel crossover called the Secret Wars that took place in the 80s. Um, and there was another one that happened in the early 2000s and there's another one happened in 2015 and they're not called like secret wars one, two, and three. They're just all the secret wars. So I'm like, what the fuck (laughs) did I forget my childhood? Um, so yeah, and I guess they're going to adapt some of this into a Disney plus series animated series, uh, pretty soon. But anyway, in this 2015 Secret Wars incarnation, a group of the smartest, most pragmatic heroes, such as Professor X, Reed Richards, so that's uh, head of the X-Men and Fantastic Four, uh, Tony Stark, Doctor Strange, and Black Bolt, who I'm, I have no clue who the fuck that is, 
were revealed to have learned that other universes were encroaching on one another. At the point of incursion, the two Earths meet. If one is destroyed, the other survives. If neither destroys the other, the act of overlapping destroys... Oh my god! Marvel has already fucking done the, the trolley problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With all of the heroes... Conf- um, if, if neither destroys the other, the act of overlapping will destroy them both. This is leads to where kind of being- what they're doing with the imagery at the beginning? Because I noticed there were two, like... You galaxies right. or something to coming together uh, in You're probably right. a close collision thing. Holy shit, like a black, like a universe within a black hole kind of thing. You're yeah. not wrong. Well spotted. Uh, this leads our heroes being forced to destroy other Earths in order to survive these incursions. Okay, so they just pull the fucking switch, no problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> the story as a whole was super interesting at a parallel arc where the more traditional heroes collide with the secret cabal in a pretty spectacular blow up. Long story short, this is Marvel's big reboot, a la Crisis on Infinite Earths from DC, another classic reboot um, thing. All previously continuity was merged together into an Earth Prime. Interestingly, if the Russos were asked once or were asked once after Infinity War Endgame what could bring them back to Marvel, both of them said they someday wanted to adapt the Secret Wars outline. Uh, we'll have to see if this builds uh, what this builds up to. Loved your coverage and hope you guys come back for season two. We will see what happens. Who knows what the multiverse has in in store? There's so many great pulp shows coming out. Like, yeah, God, we got pulp running out. Too we many. are we are so blessed to be science fiction fantasy fans right now. Yeah, I think you the got, industry at large has shifted more toward pulp than prestige because we're having a a hard time filling the prestige with anything new. Um, television shows yeah. that are prestige aren't really coming out at the rate that they were five years ago. Uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of good reasons because this stuff is like family fair. So like moms, dads, kids can all watch this shit together. But like a prestige drama, like True Detective season four. You know, you put the kids to bed for that, right? For you sure. Don't take, you know, unless they're so like I, there's money to be had here because you can get both. You can get everybody at the theater. Um, but yeah, I don't I, know. I saw I, what uh, happened in Black Widow and the imagery in that is not for children. There's right. Some well, that was shit. a. <laughs> That's a big problem. And that's something the red letter media guys touched on in their review that like you've got this show that's ostensibly for kids, but you're talking about ripping women's wombs out and forcing them into sexual slavery and doing sex trafficking and like a lot mm-hmm. of adult, but sand, but also it's like sanitized to the point of offensiveness for adults, but also like way. So like, I think the answer is maybe some of the stuff is just for teenagers. Like I think yeah. teenagers are where like, um, black widow is pitched to but it it yeah it does seem like smart like for a long time as a hollywood convention a rated r movies just wouldn't make as much money as like pg pg 13 movies i don't know if that's true anymore but like maybe they're kind of re- realizing that again like you know what a lot of money be made in these superhero cartoons essentially but yeah what's coming down the pike is just incredible we got the dune movies coming out we got the foundation series and that shit's hard sci-fi you've Cheers. got the expanse which is uh, fresh current uh, hard sci-fi you got the Lord of the Rings prequels the Game of Thrones prequels um, all the MCU stuff the boys there is so much pulp coming out right now that's that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with what DC's doing which is uh, you know I'm really interested in the Suicide Squad I can't wait for Harley Quinn season 3 to come back um, yeah I, uh, I I'm I'm it just seems like there's just so much, so much of it. And that's, I guess that's the thing is like, if Loki season two came back at the same time, 
like the final chunk of the walking dead and the expanse and like the lord of the rings like what do you do what do you talk about crisis of uh, infinite timelines like what gonna need need infinite timelines to cover that many shows (laughs) yeah i'll need one of those time turners or time pads or whatever yeah so We'll see how it goes, but I, I really appreciate you kind of filling in the the broad de- details because I I do think that mm-hmm. that's actually uh, enhanced my enjoyment. Like knowing like it was a thing when uh, Jonathan Major showed up and all that stuff. Like it's just enough, not too much, and I appreciate you breaking it down for us each week. Uh, Jerry comes back and says, um, "I agreed with Aaron and still agree that the shows can't introduce essential info that the movie only watchers would need to know, but I think we need to modify that slightly. He who remains, uh, aka Kang, can debut here just fine without impacting the movies because the Kang introduced here is killed. This one introduced in the movies will be a different character. This plus a second season is confirmed. Yeah, I think we've already talked about like how this kind of blows the lid off the way the Marvel can deal with these villains and stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I do think that, like, I wonder if it's I don't know this is a unique thing, because the more I think about Marvel movies, there's two types of villains, a one and done that the, the hero smashes and is self-contained. And then it's the one that everyone has to deal with in an Avengers movie. Right. Yep. And those one and dones is, is they will be nothing will be it's nothing but an improvement to give them a little bit of run up. Mm-hmm. Because they can still be literal who's to everyone going to movies, but you know, for the fanboys and girls, they got some more meat and substance to it. I, I guess that never like that. occurred to me, right? Like this doesn't feel like a one and done to me. Oh no, maybe you're right that this is the first that like they can't introduce like a Thanos level like that, like I, like a multi like this is a maybe one and done with the timeline and the fact that this is Kang but not Kang. Mm-hmm. Um. But I, and it's just a really clever, cleverly told story that like is plausibly spins out six different directions uh, at the end of it and also felt self-contained like mm-hmm. lo- this Loki went on a character arc that took him from villain to hero. And I understood all of his choices and uh, that was all interesting and good. Uh, the time stretch dilation nature lets you believe that like, may, you know, this wasn't just a couple days of development for him. This was essentially a long time. Um yeah, I, I this I had high hopes for this series and it kind of exceeded them in every way. Yeah. Same here. Well, what else we got to say about Loki before we put him to bed before we stamp? I think that's uh, it. I, I'm just surprised the Loki that podcast I'm... will be back for season two. Question mark, question mark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not I as mean, emphatic. Unless, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unless there is the, you know, singularity of content that we just talked about. Sure. Because uh, I'm genuinely excited for season two. Like. Season one, I, I was interested before this started. I'm like, okay, the little the trailer looks cool. I know Loki's gonna is a trickster god, and he's gonna be very fun to watch. Um, having Owen Wilson as his partner in crime here is gonna be super interesting because uh, I really like him. Season two, I mean, they kicked the door open, and now I'm just straight up sitting in anticipation of whatever they're gonna do with that. Yeah. I am too. I, and this is, like I said, this is the first, you know, uh, the reason I've been kind of hard on the other Marvel shows is so when I finally praise one, you guys know I'm not doing it just for clicks or whatever. Uh, <laughs> right. I like this Loki. I'm looking forward to more. Yeah. And, uh, I appreciate everyone who followed on the journey with us, whether you listen to the podcast on bald move pulp or whether you can assume the video on youtube.com slash bald move. We're happy to have you along. 
And uh, if uh, you're wondering what what now, what next? Well, shoot, we have first run movie reviews every week. We're going through Rick and Morty right now. We're about to pick up Walking Dead. It's final season, which I'm excited about. Um, just 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 tons and tons of stuff is 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 coming around. And hopefully we'll get a, a good prestige show out of uh, uh, out of HBO or a- AMC here one of these days. But until then, we're we've got the, the movies. We're going back through some classic uh, prestige movies and giving those reviews. We're right now in the middle of a badass festival. Jim and I are going back and, and recounting our favorite heroes from the 80s and 90s. Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme. Next week, it's all about Steven Seagal. We got a big, uh, we're hosting big badass debates every Wednesday during this time on twitch.tv slash bald move. Uh, stop by at 1 p.m. on Wednesdays if you want to get in your licks about who's the biggest badass. Uh, but we'll see you, We'll see you wherever we do on the multiverse timeline. Until we meet up again, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya.